Welcome to Blockchain for the Billions, where we explore the Web3 landscape and the hotspots of mainstream adoption. Let's get into it. Stephen, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to chat with you. Good to be here, Lauren. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Okay, so let's kick things off with a little bit about you and your background. Can you tell me about your journey to Verizon and really the inspiration behind TechRise and kind of how you got to the point you're at today? Sure. My background incorporates all three sectors. So that's private sector. I actually started as a business analyst in the management consulting program at Deloitte Consulting. So business operations and strategies, strategy analysts. So started there. And since then, I've had the opportunity to work in government and nonprofit. So kind of putting all three of those sectors together, merging that with my graduate school emphasis of study, which was social enterprise and nonprofits, I've really focused on how to create social impact because you really need all sectors. It's not just a, as I say, it's not a one sector party. You need to have interaction across sectors. And so the social impact work that I've really been focused on, I have the, I think, advantage of having seen and been a part of and been in leadership positions in cross-sector initiatives. And so I believe I'm pretty well suited for the type of impact work that I'm looking to do. So let's start with TechRise. It's an incredible initiative that you've co-founded here in Chicago. What was kind of the defining moment that sparked the idea for TechRise? And can you share a little bit about the program? That is one of the things I am most proud to be associated with. And it really started as me thinking about, well, hey, here I am at a technology company. And this was in 2019. I just I had recently come to Verizon and we had and still have an emphasis on how is society a stakeholder? And so I'm thinking, all right, what are the issues going on in society? It's really one of the biggest issues is really economic mobility. Well, what's one of the biggest drivers of economic mobility? It's entrepreneurship. Well, we as Verizon, we have, root metrics will back me up when I say this, we have the best network, which can serve as a platform for innovation. So given our emphasis on society as a stakeholder, what is it that we can do to create scenarios and create opportunities for economic mobility using technology since we have this network? And that was the genesis. And so think went through the classic, let me write some thoughts down, got some partners to really help me think this through. And then at one point, a good friend, Diane Primo said, I like this concept. And you know, she gave me some great feedback and helped me to mold my ideas a little more. And she said, well, this could be big, but it has to be in the right hands. I mean, this has to be something that is not just implemented, but really cared for by the right organization. And so Diane happens to be a board member of P33. So she put me in touch with P33, talked to uh, Brad about it, Brad Henderson, their CEO. He was like, yeah, this is a really great concept. And that was the starting point, but really the the match or rather the, I will say the dynamite was lit once we really formalized it and wonderful young lady named Desiree Vargas Wrigley came onto the scene. And at that point, that's when, as I say, the stick of dynamite was lit and TechRise just really under her wonderful stewardship and under her leadership, that's when things really took off because she had the vision to say, yes, it's great that we want to connect 
our Black and Latin founders. That was the group we started. That was the community we started with initially. Yes, we want to connect them with celebrator programs and we want to have all these and, you know, have resources for them. But the thing that Taperize has really become known for is the frequency and, you know, having a weekly cadence of pitch competitions, which I just thought was, I mean, that's, I said, no one does that. That's crazy. And she's, and, and her reply was exactly, no one does it. And we can, we can be the organization that creates this really virtuous cycle of founders knowing that they have opportunities to get early stage capital and we can combine that with other resources. And so you know, she is an incredible leader of the organization and co-founder. So in working with her and P33 has built out a team. So, you know, TechRise really took off. That was really the origin story. And we are in season three, about to have our season three finale coming up uh, December the 5th. And so, yeah, that's the story of how it all started. So you have weekly pitches, which is pretty unheard of, like you said. Talk to me about the types of companies you've seen throughout these pitches. And it sounds like these are all technology-focused companies, but what are some of the core themes you've seen over the past few months and kind of what predictions uh, do those themes tell you? Well, that was one of the things that uh, we said early on that we want to make sure that our tech entrepreneurs, so those entrepreneurs that are using leading edge tech. So whether that be AI, AR, VR, some type of IoT application, some type of edge compute application, machine learning. So something in that leading edge tech space, or at least innovations that were tech enabled. So think about e-commerce, think about two-sided marketplace, you know, digital platforms that have a two-sided marketplace. We wanted to prioritize those leading edge tech innovations and those tech enabled innovations, because we believe that those are the innovations that can scale and grow and create value, create the most value quickly. So we prioritize those and the pitch competitions are really focused around a couple of things. We have demographic focused pitch competitions. So we might have a competition for uh, specifically for Latina innovators. We have neighborhood now focused pitch competition. So we have a wonderful series in North Mondale. So looking at giving some, really amplifying some of the innovations in the North Mondale community. And that's sponsored by the Staines Family Foundation. They've been wonderful partners. We also have, so that's demographic focused. We have now, we're starting a series of neighborhood focused. We also have industry focused. So we have competitions focused on health tech, entertainment, sports and entertainment tech. FinTech, climate tech. So we have those industry-focused competitions. And then we have some competitions that are focused on stage, stage of the organization, whether they be idea stage, which as I say, you have a, a PowerPoint and a dream. And then we have pre-seed and then seed stage where some of the companies are actually post-revenue. So that's how we, you know, how the pitch competitions are organized. And sometimes you have a kind of a crossover overlap, you know, you have a Venn diagram that might have a couple of those different areas. So that's how the pitch competitions are focused. But we really want to make sure that the innovations that you see on the TechRise stage are utilizing some type of leading edge tech or at least are tech enabled so that there is a clear technology angle because we want to make sure also that other innovators 
within these communities see that this isn't just something that other folks do. This is something that is possible. And we believe it's not the future, it's now. Deep people are coming up uh, with these innovations now. And so we want to make sure that we give the proper, not just amplification, but give the proper support to these innovators. You have a vast background from nonprofits to government to now you're the head of community at Verizon, very focused on kind of the future of 5G powered tech uh, and building that community. Can you kind of talk to us a little bit about what that 5G tech really looks like and kind of the background on your role there that kind of ties into, you know, your viewpoints on the future of technology and really the next generation of the internet? Sure. So 5G is it's literally the fifth generation of, of mobile technology. And so if you think about all the way from, you know, 1G to 2G, you have just cell phones, right? And then you 2G, you have data. And then 3G, you have the ability to access the internet mobily on your device. And then 4G, that was when apps came into play, right? And so 5G is not just the next step. We think it's a pretty big. It's an evolution. It isn't just an incremental step. It is an evolution. And we think about 5G through what we call the currencies of 5G. And that's what is it that we believe 5G enables. And we believe it not only enables greater mobility, we believe it is the foundation for connected devices. And we talk about internet of things where you have sensors and you have devices, but undergirding all that, you have to have a network, right? And so it enables connected devices, it enables what we hope to be, we hope to enable greater efficiency with 5G. You're enabling a greater data throughput. So you can process and transact a lot of large blocks and large swaths of data. There's also, and this is one of the keys, I probably should have mentioned this first, the latency issue. Latency is that that time from which you you hit a key and you make a command until that command actually comes into being, right? So if you think about things like autonomous driving vehicles, well, if you are controlling something remotely, you aren't in the car, when you hit the brakes, you want the car to stop. You don't want there to be latency where you hit the brakes or you hit the button for the brakes and then the car actually stops a few seconds later. That is latency and that is something that 5G seeks to eliminate having that waiting period, so to speak. So those are some of the currencies, some of the characteristics of 5G. And we believe that it will serve as, again, the foundation for technology and for innovation. It's so interesting because I guess I never kind of dove into kind of each one, two, three, four, and 5G. So I have two questions here. First, I'm kind of curious, like, can we get any faster? Is there going to be a 6G? Like, what does the future hold for this? And my second question is more about kind of where are the intersections, do you think, of Web3 and 5G? Or what do you think it's really poised to solve in the space? For example, we have a company in our portfolio really using 5G for mixed reality and powering that experience. And I feel like that's a perfect example of something you need speed and low latency to really be successful. So answer those questions in whatever order you choose, but I'm very curious kind of on both fronts, maybe start with the future of kind of 5G and, and what else can come from this? Well, Lauren, you are a practitioner in, you know, <laughs> in the industry. And so you actually answered the second question very well. 
you do need for things like mixed reality. You don't want a great deal of latency. You want when you know when you want to execute a command, you want it to happen instantaneously as if it were, as we say, IRL in real life. And so having that low or in some cases what we want to get to almost no latency, that's critical. To answer your first question, will there be other iterations? Yes. I mean, there's already talk of, well, what might 6G look like? Now, many of us find that to be a bit premature because we are still unearthing some of the things that 5G can do. We're still building out our 5G network. So yes, 5G stands for the fifth generation. There will be subsequent generations, and we will find out more about what those generations bring once we do a little bit more of again, uncovering all the things that we can do, or at least more of the things that we can do in the current 5G environment. It's so interesting because this technology just continues to evolve and we can hypothesize kind of on the future of it all forever, but kind of tying your your knowledge together about this vast background in tech, in government, in nonprofit with TechRise, how do you think about how tech can really power inclusive growth? I think tech can power inclusive growth by taking, by really democratizing access. If you think about kind of the pre-tech age, you had to, a lot had to deal with proximity. Like you had to be in certain places to take advantage or have access to certain resources. And so what technology does, it says that you don't have place and physical proximity becomes less important because you're able to not only connect, but exchange ideas, literally create companies in the digital space. And so it has the ability to democratize if the technology is equitably distributed. That's a really big if. So the promise of technology is a leveling force for good if the technology, again, is accessed in a more equitable way. And so one of the things that we look at at Verizon is regarding broadband, yes, there is the access issue, but then there is the affordability issue. Even if it's in your even if it's in your area or in your community, that's access to is it affordable? And then if it's affordable, if you can get it, if it's in your area and you can afford it so you have it, the third and this is the part of this three-part issue that I deal and spend a lot of time with is adoption, right? So if you have it, if you can access it and you can afford it, you get it. Well, do you know how to use it? And so that some people call it application. Some people call it adoption, but it's really using the technology. And so I spend time, whether it's working with young people and developing programming for young people around STEM technology, it's how do we help our small businesses utilize technology? We're not in a day and age where you can solely rely on people coming into your brick and mortar store. So how are small businesses utilizing technology? And some of my uh, national CSR colleagues have developed what's called the small business digital ready platform. So around the country, we are endeavoring and we are on our way to enrolling a million small businesses around the country in this small business digital ready platform so that these small businesses can have the knowledge and the coaching and the connections 
sounds kind of like tech rides, right? How can we provide the fundamentals, particularly the knowledge, so the businesses know how to leverage technology? So that's another issue. And of course, and you mentioned TechRise, how do we utilize technology to create scalable ventures that can that have the ability to really grow and create some serious economic opportunity? So those are the areas that, again, that I spend time on. And I think that tech, again, if it can get in, if the technology itself, which the fundamental part of technology is broadband, right? you have to have a reliable, high-speed broadband connection. If we can get that into hands, again, make it accessible, and we have a industry-leading network team full of engineers that work every day, day in and day out, in, in building out our network across the country. So we're working on the accessibility part. We are a provider under the Affordable Connectivity Program, that's the ACP, which is a federal program, which provides subsidy for those who might be socioeconomically challenged, they might be on a, let's say, a public benefit program like TANF or SNAP. The ACP offers a subsidy so that you can not only a one-time subsidy to get a computing or some type of device, but it offers a monthly subsidy so you can afford or better afford internet access. But again, all of that's great, but once you get it, you still need to know how to use it. So making sure that our communities, particularly our diverse communities, can really utilize the technology, not just to you know, download Netflix movies, which has its value, but how do we use it as a driver of economic mobility? Yeah, if you could only uh, allow people to download Netflix movies on planes, that would really, really change some lives. <laughs> Stay tuned. We'll see. <laughs> as you look at the many tech-enabled companies you've worked with, across companies that are using 5G, Web3 technology, blockchain, mixed reality, AI. We're seeing a ton of companies in AI. What companies really excite you the most right now? Um, or are you seeing tapping into kind of these emerging innovative technologies? Oh, and you asked me this earlier regarding some of our portfolio companies in TechRise. So I'll brag on some of our alums. So Please our, do. Please do. Our, our season one winner, Dr. Christine. She has cyber pop-up. As a matter of fact, she was, at least at the time, one of the few Black women to have a PhD in security engineering. So she developed cyber pop-up, which is a on-demand, which provides on-demand cybersecurity services uh, for particularly for entities that don't have the infrastructure to have their own cybersecurity department, right? So, I mean, if you think about all the I mean, how many times, you know, have you heard about data breaches and security and privacy issues? So how applicable is something like cybersecurity? And so the fact that Christina has used her tremendous skill to develop a platform that then she can not only implement herself, but she can vet other security professionals to provide these cybersecurity services for folks who can't stand up their own department. That is a wonderful innovation that definitely has some market demand right now. So she was our season one winner. She's doing well. Corin Vargas, who was our season two winner, she has smart charts and she's developed a way so that if you're going through rehab or you're going through any type of where you need to chart, literally chart your progress from a situation where you've had some type of operation and you need to 
get back into fighting shape or get back into meet some type of benchmark, there's a lot of data that goes into the rehab process. And the ability to create, uh, take a lot of dense data and to create really user-friendly charts. I mean, that is the essence of what Corin has done. It is called smart charts. And the beautiful thing is you can utilize smart charts, not just on the rehab journey. You can use it for, you know, there are other applications. So yeah, using, and so these are two great instances of how women have taken technology, whether it's in the cyber, that's right. So, you know, we have to, because so many times women get stereotyped as, ah, technology, that's not a native thing, or innovation is somehow not something native, not enough women do it. Well, probably it's because of access and probably because of a lot of other things that we won't go into on this broadcast. So I am always happy to see some of our women and have a Hispanic woman, we have a Black woman who are creating innovations in cybersecurity and using technology to turn data into charts. I mean, those are two great examples of the type of innovation that we see in TechRise and more importantly, the kind of innovation that's out in our communities. And the importance of TechRise is we need to continue to uncover and provide doorways. So folks, Christine didn't just have this idea. And actually, I knew Christine before we started TechRise and talking with her and saying, what could we do to really provide resources to help Christine take this great idea from an idea to something where she is found, where she has a company and she's hiring staff and she's at consumer electronics shows in Vegas and It's that type of thing that really TechRise was meant to do. And so now is not the time to stop. We want to continue to grow so we can have more Christines and more Corins. So, yeah, but those are, I think, two really good examples of how folks are using technology to create impact. Those are great examples. I will have to look them up after this. As you think about kind of blockchain technology and all of it has to offer, this is Purpose First Month here at Decasonic, and I think blockchain has a lot of really interesting use cases that are really powering a more purpose-driven environment. Would love to hear kind of what you think about blockchain's use cases and where it really drives value uh, for purpose-first environments. That's interesting. I am by no means a uh, blockchain expert. That's your field. But just being in the technology space, the bit I do know about blockchain, I think about it as being like this decentralized ledger that shares and records these transactions in real time, kind of like a, a a digital referee, like that provides a single point of truth without having a single verification point, right? So you can get, you know, brings all these different systems together. Yes, there are different, there are different types of blockchains, but how do you connect, for instance, the banks with the title companies with, how do you connect all of these entities together in this decentralized way, but having this single digital point of truth. And so when I think about that, I also, so yes, there are industrial applications, especially things like supply chain. I'm sure you deal with with some of those. And when you think about purpose, I think about people first when I think about, when I think about purpose. And I think about how is it that people, everyday people can utilize something like blockchain technology. And I'm thinking about 
what is it that people really enjoy? They enjoy having unique experiences because the value of experiences is something that the value goes up when it's not something that just is routine or it happens every day. And so being able to create these digital tokens, and I know that's something, again, that Decasonic certainly you play in this space and fund and help to innovate in this space. But I'm thinking about having the ability to experience a one-on-one with your favorite artist or your favorite athlete and how you can digitize that experience and have this unique token, which really commemorates that this is the experience that you had with this artist or this entertainer. And again, talks about what it harkens back to what we talked about just a few minutes ago. You don't have to necessarily be at the show or at the game. You can use technology. You can use a good broadband platform to enable these experiences. But how unique, how cool is that? And then the blockchain comes in because that's a unique experience that you have, that you own. And there's not a knockoff created or doesn't denigrate the experience because you have it. The blockchain can verify it. And so... Again, that adds value to the experience. And I think that's something that people, everyday people seek. I'm just thinking about me. If I could have an experience with Tiger and he could give me a private lesson, I would need, I needed a lot of lessons. Love golf, but needed a lot of work. It's a hard sport. (laughs) Needed a lot of work. But how valuable would that be for me to have some type of private lesson from him? Like even if he does it online, right? And to digitize that and to own that. That's valuable. So I think that is something we talk about purpose. So you could have, so yes, we talked about that's in the entertainment realm. Yeah, but that's a use case. You could also have a use case if you need some type of counseling. I mean, and you don't have to necessarily digitize that. Uh, Excuse me, you don't have to necessarily create a token around that. But if you have anything that is of value and making sure that you have the unique experience and the blockchain verifies that, yes, this is your experience. It's the original. You own it. I think having that type of capability, which blockchain technology can provide, I think that's a really cool use case uh, that once we get more folks, once we start closing this digital divide and folks, more folks have access to high-speed internet access, and simultaneously, blockchain technology becomes a little more ubiquitous. Right now, it's still kind of, I think it's still kind of one of those niche subjects that you kind of hear about, but you don't really, you, people think, ah, oh, that's not for me. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of it is because it gets conflated with things like crypto and things like, oh, I don't want to, but the blockchain, that's the undergirding. And so I think there are a number of really cool applications out there that can positively affect society using blockchain. Just think we just we just need a little bit more development. We need folks like you and Paul and others to continue to invest in the technology, continue to make it more accessible and make it applicable to everyday lives. But it certainly has a lot of really cool capabilities. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I think the best use cases often for blockchain, especially when we're looking at entertainment or sustainability or supply chain, most people are probably using blockchain and they don't know. Just like the way we all use the internet every day, most people don't know how it works. Most people don't understand the inner workings. And to your point, blockchain oftentimes gets lumped in the same group as crypto or NFTs when those are just two use cases of the blockchain. But we are really excited here at Dexonic about these mainstream use cases like eliminating fakes and frauds from the market using a mixture of blockchain and AI or creating uh, one-to-one relationships with fans and, and their fans and their favorite artists because we have that blockchain relationship and we can cut out the middleman and really let people know their audiences. So there's a myriad of incredible use cases for this, but those are two uh, we also believe in. Yeah. I definitely see there being a robust market for things, especially, again, people like having unique and individualized experiences. And so I think blockchain can definitely enable, help enable that to happen. Yes. As I mentioned, it's Purpose First Month here at Decasonic, and I think purpose-driven business is an interesting topic. Could you discuss how you found or how investors and founders can really take a purpose-first mentality or, and, and be more thoughtful about the way they engage in the environment? Sure. It's interesting because I think working with diverse founders is, it's so rewarding because a lot of the innovations that you see, it's rewarding for a number of reasons, but a lot of the innovations you see, it's not just creating a cool, as I say, it's not just creating a, a science project, just using tech for the sake of tech and creating the next cool gadget. A lot of our diverse founders are using tech to solve real problems that they are either experiencing firsthand or seeing in pretty close proximity within their communities. And so I think that a lot of our founders have a natural connection to purpose because they are literally trying to solve a problem that they, again, see or experience. And so I think purpose is really baked into a number of the innovations that you see from the founder community. Now, purpose doesn't mean that just because someone has a social purpose doesn't mean that they aren't seeking to make money. You can achieve both purpose and profit at the same time. Some people say you can't. I believe you can. So I think that is promising, the fact that you can have this both purpose and profit mentality. And those two things can Sometimes, yes, sometimes they do fight, but it is possible to have alignment there. So that's on the founder end. On the investor end, I find that purpose can be achieved by helping enable some of better enable some of our founders. And so there are one of the things that and Desiree was the first to talk about this. And because, you know, she and I talk so often about it, I've started using this language too about a lot of TechRise is helping funders to break the patterns that they normally see. Because when you are pretty much funding folks in the same community, you have a lot of the same type of issues and a lot of the same type of innovations that you're funding. Well, TechRise introduces, in many cases, a whole new menu of innovations because there are communities that have been overlooked and are therefore solving problems that the regular crowd of investors, which is mostly white, 
middle class to upper class males, that those issues might not have crossed their radar. And so TechRise helps to introduce and hopefully break some patterns and introduce some new innovations on the table that are not only great ideas, they're very much fundable ideas. And so even if from a funder perspective, even if your purpose is to make more money, well, guess what? If you have a wider variety of innovations that you can choose to invest in, I think it provides you with a greater opportunity to make more money because there are definitely some wonderfully investable ideas out there. They just haven't gotten the air sound that they deserve. So whether it's on the founder side and you are solving real problems and that's your purpose, even on the funder side, if your purpose is to make more money, well, looking at a greater array of innovations from founders you might not have considered that from just a strict monetary point of view, it provides you opportunities for your investments to make you more money. So I think there are different ways that you can look at purpose, both, like you said, from the founder and from the funder perspective. Yeah. I mean, diversity of people leads to diversity of ideas and diversity of backgrounds and really, you know, looking at the world and the landscape with a broader view. So I completely agree. Stephen, it's been so great to chat with you. Finally, can you just tell our listeners who want to learn more about TechRise or get in touch with you where they can find you and how they can either join or support TechRise? Certainly. Well, you want to get in touch with me? Someone asked me, do you have a business card? I said, well, LinkedIn is my business card. So definitely feel free to look me up on LinkedIn, Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N, middle initial E, last name Shaw, S-H-A-W. So definitely interested in, especially interested in connecting with entrepreneurs, small business tech founders, and especially interested in connecting with those who want to support small businesses with technology, those who want to support our diverse founders. So those are particularly two crowds of and two communities of folks I would love to connect with. In terms of TechRise, absolutely. It is www.techrise, T-E-C-H-R-I-S-E dot C-O, not dot com, dot C-O. So TechRise dot C-O. If you are a founder, uh, if you go to techrise.co, it tells you how to sign up. I'm glad you mentioned this. I want to go back to, yes, we're known for our pitch competitions, but we also have a growing array of workshops and seminars where we bring in uh, financial experts. We bring in legal expertise. We have provided marketing and advertising resources. And so, yes, the pitch competitions, that's our marquee. And quite frankly, if you talk to diverse founders, one of the things they will almost always say is the lack of capital that is available is a, you know, sometimes it makes innovation a no-go for them. And so, yes, the non-dilutive funding particularly is, is scarce. And so that's what TechRise, yes, we hang our hat on being able to provide the non-dilutive funding. And so and we do that through our pitch competitions, but it's more than the competitions. It's also the network and the knowledge. And so even if you don't win a pitch competition, you can still attend a seminar. You can still communicate with the TechRise family through one of the communications tools that we've developed for our community. So go to techrise.co, sign up, join our community. If you're an early stage founder, 
you might be able to pitch for some non-dilutive funding. If you're a later stage founder, there are still resources that we can connect you to, and you can serve as a real-time mentor to folks who are you know, earlier on the journey. So we want to definitely create, and we have created a community. We also want to make sure I publicize that, again, our season three finale is coming up. It is December 5th. You can go to techrise.co and purchase tickets for that. So definitely your techrise.co, that is your one-stop shop for TechRise for more information and to get involved. Thank you so much for all that info, Stephen. And thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure to chat with you. And I'm so grateful for the work you're doing at TechRise. So thanks. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Blockchain for the Billions. If you found this episode valuable, please consider sharing it with someone who could benefit or give it a shout out on your social platforms. To stay updated on the latest insights from Decasonic, make sure to subscribe to our newsletter, which you can find in the show notes. Thank you for your support. Chat in the next episode.